Good morning, Kansas City. One day closer. It's now Tuesday, February 2nd. We're five days away. For the biggest game of the year, the biggest guy is here. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Dusty Likens, 610 Sports Radio. This is the Run It Back Show. It's 5 a.m., so you know it's time to hit the ground running. Pete Sweeney, how are you this morning? Morning, Dusty. It's a good day to be a Kansas City and good day to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs as we are at Tuesday of what is media week leading up to the Super Bowl. It's one of those weeks, and I'm already sensing it, and there, it's a weird phenomenon because I, I find that you talk to your friends, they're feeling similarly always when it comes down to this, but it's it's one of these weeks it's going to inch along. Like, how are we still at Tuesday? So much to look forward to coming up on Sunday. Well, enjoy it while you can because the news and the information that continues to pile through <laughs> every single day and the the media reports and everything that you get – it makes time by it makes it fly, man. Like I, you know, I can't believe that you know the the Cleveland Browns played the Chiefs three weeks ago. Right, like that's where we're at. Like that game was three weeks ago, and here we are talking about the Super Bowl. That it's Sunday. All the big names I feel like talked yesterday: Reed, Mahomes, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyree Kill, Tyron Matthew, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. The list goes on and on and on. But there was Pete. Just a little bit of a dark cloud yesterday, which was just a reminder that we're in a pandemic type of season with some news that came out about the Chiefs. It's just a ton of media yesterday. It was technically media night, which, as you know, would usually occur in person and the players walk around. The top players have podiums for an hour. The media can do different things as far as bits and whatnot. It's a little bit more lighthearted. Everything was virtual yesterday, and the Kansas City Chiefs had 45 minutes of media availability uh, for 10 of their players. It'll continue on today, and we're looking forward to, to that. But as Dusty mentioned, there was some housekeeping stuff, and this is probably our, our top story coming out of yesterday. It had nothing really even to do with media night, and that was that COVID – in a sense, has struck the Chiefs. Apparently a a staff member came down with COVID and there were two contacts that he was in contact with, he or she, and it was Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore. Now, let's be clear here. They're on the COVID list, not because they tested positive, but reports are just the close contact. What does that mean? It means they can still play in the Super Bowl so long as they continue to test negatively. They've been removed from the team just in case and so they'll be continuing to test and and we'll see if they'll be available of course demarcus robinson more of a role player for the chiefs 65 percent of the snaps daniel kilgore the backup center he started four games for the chiefs this year including week 17 which was that throwaway game in which the backups were starting so some depth there that maybe would concern you if they weren't playing. I know the Chiefs have Byron Pringle and Sammy Watkins expected to be back in this game, so that makes you feel a little bit better. There was some good news when it came to Legereus Sneed and the concussion protocol. Andy Reid confirming that Sneed has cleared concussion protocol, so he will be available for this game. Out of the three, that's probably the biggest piece of news because 
Sneed, as we've talked about all year, Dusty, just drastically improves this defense. Without question. And I think that the, I guess the biggest conversation when it came to Legereus Sneed was, did, did Brett Veach find a diamond in the rough? Did Brett Veach find another pick in the draft? And I think the answer is yes, because Sneed has been who he's been the entire year when healthy and playing. He is so key to this defense and moving forward in the season's after this Super Bowl, because when you think about the Chiefs and you think about where they can improve, you have to find little steps. Like, you have to find these, you know, okay, we need an offensive lineman next year. Okay, you got to go get one. Well, you got to forget, and you can't forget that you bring in, you know, LDT if he wants to come back. Now you get to pick somewhere else in the draft because you don't have to worry about drafting a cornerback next year right? because of what you have in Legereus Sneed, Juan Thornhill being back. You've got Tyron Matthew under contract. And when those names are healthy, it makes the defense that much better. So, yes, you have a dark cloud on Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore out of practice with protocol, but you also get a little bit of sunshine with Legereus Need being out of protocol and being able to practice and really get into those practice reps of um, what is Super Bowl week when it comes to this team and this defense. Yeah, other major storyline that, that came out of yesterday is we got the first – what I would consider real bulletin board material of this game. And that came from Jason Pierre Paul when he was asked about the backup offensive linemen that need to potentially play for the Chiefs. I ain't even know who that was, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. But if this is a tackle that you're talking about, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't uh, uh I don't too much care about it. You know, they got they gotta figure that out and I'm going to play some great football this weekend. So there you go, Jason Pierre Paul. Asked specifically about Mike Remmers. We'll give it to you one more time. I ain't even know who that was, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. But <laughs> he does not know who it is that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I feel don't, like he does. Uh, uh, I don't too much care about it. You know, they got they got to figure that out, and I'm going to play some great football. As we as we pointed out in ArrowheadPride.com, JPP has interacted on fields with Remmers before uh, multiple times. Um, Remmers is expected as we were saying last week to fill in for Eric Fisher, who was done for the year. So left to right, your offensive line is going to be Remmers, Allegretti, Austin Ryder, Stefan Wisniewski, and Andrew Wiley. That's the expected projected lineup. Wiley's kicking out now um, into that Mitch Schwartz role. Wiz, who played in last year's Super Bowl, expected to play at right guard. And they're going to be in charge of really curbing what JPP, who doesn't know who Mike Remmers is, and... Shaq Barrett on the outside, and also, too, and probably not as talked about right now, but Vita Vea is back in the mix, and he's regarded as his run-stopping wall. He also makes life difficult on the interior offensive linemen, and he's a player that did not play against the Chiefs in Week 12, and the Bucks, I think, especially early in that game, certainly felt that impact. Back in the mix, finally, last week, and he is an attention grabber where the offensive line really needs to deal with him. And that can sometimes open the door for these outside guys. So that's part of what the Chiefs will be facing on Sunday that they didn't necessarily have to deal with in, in week 12 is making sure these three guys, not just the two, right. don't impact the game. Okay, so you're around these guys enough. Do you really believe 
do you really believe they don't know who this guy is? Like, this is the biggest game of the year for all the marbles to steal a line <laughs> from uh, from John Candy and, and uh, Rookie of the Year for all the stuff, for all this. Yeah. Like, is there really belief that a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, who has been in this league for so many years, yeah, like, do you really believe he's like, yeah, I don't know who that is? Well, what I think is like, so, I call BS. What I think is so crazy is whether you do, whether you don't, whatever, there's so much shade in that kind of comment. And we've talked about it just on the Run It Back playoff show. And this is a temporary show that we're doing from, what, yeah, the second week of now. January to the end of the run. We've talked about it on this show where why do teams keep giving any of the Chiefs motivation? Why do it? Because they're stupid, Pete. That's the answer. How's it worked out for the Cleveland Browns? I don't understand, and I understand maybe the – How'd it work out for Buffalo? Not good. The offensive line is a little bit different, but I I don't know. It just feels like the Chiefs are waiting for you to give them this food and extra motivation, and they're ready to eat it up and put it on the wall and talk about it and then play their hearts out and and rip yours out uh, of your body. And so – Again, I, I think that that is certainly a storyline along the offensive line. And then another one I would consider that maybe doesn't get talked about enough, in, and we would hardly talk about it in Kansas City, is that Mahomes, too, has weaknesses. And it came up yesterday, and it goes back to, I believe it was his first season where he was on The Shop, HBO's The Shop, and talking about how uh, he – didn't really understand how to read defenses at the NFL level for half the year. That's now three years ago. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has developed that. And I, I thought this was an interesting quote from Andy Reid. You got to dig a little to get it. But here was Andy Reid talking about Patrick Mahomes' development when it comes to pre-snap reads. I mean, he's studied some of the great ones, uh, Tom included. And uh, and so, you know, he, he knew that he had to get better in that area. And um, he's done that. And... Uh, uh, one thing you love about Pat is <clears throat> he's always taking his weaknesses and trying to turn them into strengths. And so uh, you appreciate that as a coach. And that's why he's gone about it for the years that he's been here. And, uh, I, you know, I just think that that it tells a lot about the kid, but it's also great for his teammates to see that you can see the improvements of what he's made every year and uh, whatever his weakness was, he's attacked those things and, and turn them into strengths. Hearing Mahomes has a weakness is almost laughable, but I, I pulled this quote and I wanted to play it because I just think it speaks to Mahomes, right? He's so naturally talented and good at this game, just way better and way advanced than anyone else that has ever played, yet here he is working with Reed very closely to attack something that he needed to improve, and now he feels way better uh, about attacking and reading these defenses. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I think every single year that you're in the NFL, you learn more and more. Um, you get different looks, especially with our offense. We get a lot of crazy looks and crazy blitzes and stuff like that. And you have to learn how to adjust and to learn how to to go out there and make and have successful plays. And so uh, this year, I felt super comfortable uh, of recognizing defenses, recognizing blitzes, recognizing coverages, and being able to get get us into the right play and uh, get a get a successful play going in the completion. And so uh, um, it's definitely something that I'll continue to grow and continue to learn, but I feel like I'm at a different, way different level than I even was last year. Dusty Mahomes has said he's, he's going to have to keep an eye on where all three of these guys, JPP, Barrett, and Vea, are on the field at all times. 
I find this interesting with Patrick Mahomes because last, well, I guess two weeks ago, the question against Buffalo was, can the foot hold up during the game? And you and I had talked about when we were doing that uh, that segment on the Sunday show before that game about rolling out and which foot he you know, plants on and everything like that. But when it comes to this game and you're missing your left tackle, I think when it comes to Mahomes reading defenses, this is the best situation that you could have for the Kansas City Chiefs. And hear me out. When you want to overload on the left side and blitz, Mahomes is always, not always, but more than likely rolls out to his right. That's just the way he kind of moves. He's his dominant hand. It's obvious. That's where he goes. When you're playing a team like the Chiefs and you have a weakness at your left side and they're going to overexpose that and blitz with Barrett, and we, we've heard about that, and, and Pierre Paul, and that's what they want to do. That's where they want to, that's that's where they wanna, yeah. you know, that's what they want to get after. The Chiefs are the best at finding your strength and tearing it down. <laughs> and that's what they can do with Mahomes because of how much more advanced he is at reading defense again, he's 25. How they can set up, like you have the guru of screen plays and Andy Reid. So when you overload that left side, they'll just roll the right and then they'll just misdirection you over to the left side to where you can't do that. So even though they will be missing their starting left tackle, their starting right tackle, they can still disguise things and they have two of the fastest receivers that can just run crossing patterns that'll make your neck break because you won't know which way to go. They have all these schemes, these design plays. So where the left side and where these guys want to talk about how they don't know who these people are, Patrick Mahomes being able to read the defense, understand the offense, and kind of keep you guessing right. is another one of those reasons why this team went 14-2, and why they're back in the Super Bowl, and why they continue to be better than you and you know it, and why they're always a step ahead. Because, yes, they are at a disadvantage when it comes to the offensive line, and you said it yesterday, that's where you're looking at your biggest key matchup is offensive line versus defensive line, a.k.a. the cliche of trenches, but... The thing about it is you've just got to understand that the way that Mahomes runs reads defense now and the way that Andy Reid can design and scheme against people, he can take what you think is going to be your strength and rip it out of your throat and completely change the dynamic of this football game. Well, you've seen the all 22 too. Like, so say you're not comfortable with what would be, you know, your traditional type of drop back. I think you you alluded to it. You have two of the fastest guys in the league, no offense to Scotty Miller and Tyree Killett, but Cole Hardman. Right. You've watched the All-22 where these guys are in the backfield and they're running these end-arounds, ghost-action type of movements, and the defense gets off kilter, and all of a sudden you have an advantage or you have a small window to get it into the hands of a Kelsey, a Watkins, rather quickly. Don't forget you have Clyde and Daryl and just so many options. And I just think you're going to see maybe a quicker pace slightly Chiefs offense against this very talented Bucks defense on Sunday night. Kelsey Hill, Mahomes, big three on offense. There's also a big three on the defensive side, who they are next here on the Run It Back show with Pete Sweeney, Dusty Lykin, 610 Sports Radio. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Chris Jones back into the game at defensive tackle. Second down, eight for the Bills at their own 41, leading three to nothing. Chiefs with three and out on their first series. Here comes a blitz to the left of Allen. Now being pressured, backing up, still backing up. He's going to be smoked and sacked all the way back at the 17-yard line. It is a sack for Kansas City. 
from the 41 back to the 17, a 24-yard sack. I'm going to say in the progress or in the grasp at the 26, a 15-yard sack, Legereus Sneed on the corner blitz. There it is, Legereus Sneed. Two playoff games, two sacks. He is now officially taken over in the office of Sack Nation. Not too shabby. For the Chiefs. Legereus Sneed, big part of this defense. Thank you for listening to this Run It Back show. I mean, it's just, I'm going to be honest with you. It's the best Chiefs coverage playoff oriented show in the city. Why? <laughs> Few reasons. One, Pete Sweeney's on it. That's right. Two, the Dirty Werewolf is with you at mm-hmm. five o'clock in the morning. That's and three, a big reason, yeah. Nobody else is doing it. No. You had your chance, Only Kansas City, <laughs> and you let us two goons take over <laughs> and ruin your morning. That's right. Um, but no, thanks for joining us today. Um, every morning, 5 a.m. to uh, 6 a.m. as we get you set up for the rest of the day here on 610 Sports Radio. We'll get into it a little bit later, but a huge day. So many great uh, guests today. With guests today on 610 Sports Radio, starting with uh, Fesco in the morning at 7.30 with this guy named Pete Sweeney. Um, you hear him here in a little bit, but we kind of teased at the break, Pete, about how there's a big three on the offense that is clearly obvious when it comes to the Chiefs with Kelsey Mahomes and Tyreek uh, Hill when it comes for that offense. I feel like there's a big three on the defense Okay, when it comes to the Chiefs as well. And I, I'm not sure if there's enough talk about it. And we had some calls last night on the on the Red Reaction show about people who thought maybe, you know, maybe there's a chance that, I don't know, that, that the defense gets under, you know, underappreciated, doesn't get looked at, and... I find that there's a big three on defense, and it's Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, and Chris Jones, maybe, or maybe it's Frank Clark, or maybe it's LeJarius Sneed. But I thought it was interesting that Omar Ruiz had this to say about Tyron Matthew, and then I'll let you take the floor about maybe if I'm a little too up on this Chiefs defense having a big three. A player like Tyron Matthew, as consistent a performer as he's been throughout his career, can be an X factor, but that's certainly something we'll talk about all week long. I've covered him as a Cardinal, a Texan, and a Chief. And what's really stood out to me about Tyron Matthew is the instant impact he's had in terms of leadership in every locker room he's been in. I asked his first NFL defensive coordinator about that earlier today, Todd Bowles, now the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, and he told me that Tyron Matthew's leadership were on display, Mm. those skills immediately, even as a rookie, was one of the first players out on the practice field, and Tyron Matthew made Bowles a better coach. Now, certainly Tom Brady saying they have to keep an eye on Tyron Matthew before every play. He says he knows Matthew is going to make his plays in the game. He just has to keep it out of Matthew's hands when the game is on the line. (laughs) Bowles also saying about Matthew that in all his years of football, he's one of the smartest players he's ever seen. What I find most impressive about the Tyron Matthews signing is that he was an all-pro in 2015 and hadn't done so on the first team in four years. So he did in 2015. Chiefs signed him. Uh, remember, he had the stints with the Cardinals and the one year, I believe it was, with the Houston Texans. And every ever since he, he's been a Chief, he's been playing at an all-pro level. First and second team in 2019, and then the first team in 2020. And I, 
you know, you talk about a big three. We're always talking about these triplets in the NFL. The offensive one is clear, right? It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Can't really argue it. I think if you took stock of this last year, it would be undoubtedly for the defense, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark. Now, Clark just did not have as good of a season this year, but he's been coming on. But what I I think you would maybe do there, I think it has to be Tyron Matthew. I've said it before. He's not only great himself, one of the better signings in history, but he brings other players up, which I love about him. I, I think it has to be Chris Jones because I just think the Chiefs defense is different when Jones is really playing well. It just makes everything easier. And I think you see that when he's really cooking. And I I think I would take Clark out of the big three right now. And I, I think I would give it to the rookie and Lejarius Sneed because you saw the difference between the Chiefs defense at the beginning of the season. He has that injury for a few games. He's injected back into the defense in that slot role. And he's really locked it down against some good receivers. And he's part of the reason why Tyron Matthew is able to be Tyron Matthew. He doesn't have to really worry about the slot as much anymore, which is such a huge defensive position now in the NFL. So, yeah, I think that's my big defensive three. I, I, I bet I bet a lot of people would agree with me, too. It's Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, and LeJarrius Sneed. Yeah, I just think that the way this defense works is that it runs through the three in the secondary. I know that Chris Jones is the leader on the defense. It's it's him and Tyron Matthew. They're the two big ones. You can put those two in your big three. But this defense is so much better when Juan Thornhill is back. You saw that against Buffalo. I think a big part of the reason why Stephon Diggs was held to two catches for 12 yards in three quarters was because the Chiefs could play that cover two and let Tyron Matthew kind of come down and play that hovering spy-ish kind of quarterback just on defense. He does everything. Yeah, he just he can he can then be like, okay, and like you heard in that in that report from Ruiz is that Todd Bowles said he's the smartest player he's ever coached. Like Tyron Matthew last year, what was the big it's thing? The film that he work, did? man. He just he pointed the head like right. he knew where everything was. And here we are in a Super Bowl where you have probably the greatest champion we've ever, not probably, the greatest champion you've ever seen in Tom Brady. Somebody who can just diabolically pick apart a defense and just go on these drives. And in the regular season, Tyron Matthew was able to pick him off. And Tom Brady was still talking about him yesterday in the media because of who he is. And I've said this in the last month, Pete, that if Tyron Matthew does this again with the Chiefs and brings the landlord and honey badger type of mentality to the defense again on Sunday, like Tyron Matthews going to go down in the top five of greatest defensive players in Chiefs history with names like Derek Thomas, Bobby Bell, um, Willie Lanier, and, you well, know, all it, these guys. Well, the thing is where where he may trump them, and this matters in the NFL and when you're talking about history, is this team goes to another level if they're able to get ringed too, right? Because right. it just was never done before in franchise history. And a quick point, this in from the Jay Southland Toast Service text line. You can chime in if you want, 913-576-7610. Look at that. I'm, I'm all over it. Uh, mm. Anthony Hitchens, too, and I, I wouldn't put him in the big three, but 
certainly deserves an honorable mention for the job he's done this year as part of what has been the second year of Steve Spagnuolo when it's gotten a little bit more advanced. Not only is Hitchens one of the better tacklers on the team, he also is almost an extension of Spagnolo when it comes to communication. You could tell that the Chiefs really missed him those two games when he was out on the COVID list. Right. And Spagnolo's called him the glue of the, the defense. And I don't know how successful the Chiefs defense would be without him there in the middle this year. It's been such a key for them. So certainly an honorable mention there. I just think those three, Jones, Matthew, and Snead, have been the most important. Well, when you talk about Jones and you talk about Matthew and you talk about Frank Clark, it was it was kind of nice yesterday when they were asked, you know, what does winning this championship mean this year if you get there? And it was literally on to the next question, which was, well, if you win this one, you go for three and you go for the dynasty and you go for the three, Pete. And I think that's what they're after. Um, Pete, I stayed up a little too late last night watching the Super Bowl from last year, and I thought that uh, I thought there was one play that really stood out for this week's uh, or this version of today's Remember When. We get to that next. Plus, is there a bro love fest when it comes <laughs> to these two and it comes to the Super Bowl here in Tampa Bay? We'll find out here on the Run It Back Show with Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Mahomes up on the football. Offset. In it, pullback. They move to the right side. They throw it back to the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, eight and a half yards deep in the end zone on a bootleg. Touchdown pass. Chiefs have life. 6.13 to go in the game. The Chiefs within four. Yeah, you remember that. That was last year. That was the start of the comeback that was another 10-point deficit in the playoffs. Woke the city up. Woke them up. Oh, man. That's, that's where I think when that play happened, you remember – Quite clearly, that was the play where they got all the way down to the one-yard line because they had thrown a pass deep into the end zone, and it was a clear, obvious pass interference call. Jet chip wasp had been played previously on that on the third and 15, a gain of 44 to Tyreek Hill. And then Travis Kelsey runs that boot pass type of play. Mahomes finds him. Travis Kelsey throws the ball down in the end zone, chest bumps McCole Hardman, gets to the sideline. Let's go, boys. We got biz to take care of. And then they would eventually go and bury the 49ers and win their first Super Bowl in 50 years. I, I You just can't stress enough when you get to that point in last year's Super Bowl, you know, talking about Wasp. I mean, that game was over. I, I think we sometimes forget just that feeling. I, the Niners are going to win. And then the Wasp play was like a defibrillator. You ever see those where you rose the Chiefs from the dead, and then you had that Kelsey play. And I, I think the thing that I love about that play the most is Travis Kelsey, especially as a young player, I mean, his whole thing is is just celebrating touchdowns and dances and what is he going to do next, that type of deal. And in that moment, it was just all team. He had, there was no time for celebration. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs were still down. Most important touchdown of his career no time to do the dance that you might have done had it been earlier in the game and right. you had a lead. It was, no, no, we got more to do. And they did. 
They came back. They won, rallied back, 31-20 to 20 final after being down by 10 with, you know, six, seven minutes to go. Just a memory that you'll have forever, and the Chiefs will seek to make more memories this Sunday against the Bucks. It was just fun to watch that game again. Like, I'd seen that game probably three times all the way through, and I'd turn that game on with there was, I think, three, nah, there was like six minutes left in the third quarter. You watched this last night? I did. Yeah, I stayed up till about 11.45. <laughs> I couldn't help it, man. To, I just to get here at 4. I was watching that game, and then I was looking at my clock. I was like, well, it's 10.45. Surely this will be over by about 11.30. Well, you were doing research work for the Run It Back playoff show. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, let's just, let's just watch this and see. Like, let's pick up on little things. And part of what I remembered after watching that, and I know this, we talked about this earlier, about how Mahomes is, his flaws are minimal. But you could really tell in that game that he was a little bit nervous. Well, he played poorly. Very, very poorly. The first three quarters. Now, he still ends up having three total touchdowns, and he had almost 60 yards rushing. But it was crazy to see, Pete, how he was throwing the ball short to his receivers. Like, there was a play that they got where it was the play before Wasp that I think a lot of people forget, where Tyreek Hill was wide open. And Travis Kelsey throws it short, and they challenge the play, and it's an incomplete pass because Tyreek Hill had to trap it. And then they come right back, and they run that 44-yard play to the left side of the field, and it's like as soon as they ran that, this like light went off in Mahomes' head, and then yeah. they ran the pass interference play to Travis Kelsey, touchdown, come back, and then the next drive is when Sammy Watkins puts that great move on Richard Sherman and Mahomes puts that dime right into his hands. And then after that is the Damian Williams play where he gets the nose of the football just barely over the pylon. And it's like once that happened, Mahomes is inexperienced. Like we say, like, you know, when the Bills played the Chiefs in the AC Championship game, Josh Allen was there. He'd never been there before. Mahomes last year had never been there before. And that's something that maybe is a topic for another day. But now Mahomes has a Super Bowl under his belt, and I'm really interested to see how he comes out because there was a lot of times watching this game again. Go home and watch it again. It'll be on all week on NFL Network. You'll see Mahomes, like, move his hands really quick and run back to the huddle and kind of be all nervous. And then once they get that touchdown to Kelsey, it's like everything was just, okay, right? we've got this. We're fine. And yet they're still down by three. There's only four minutes left. They've still got to go on another drive to get the lead. And it was just like once he got to that, it was easy sailing for Patrick Mahomes, but there was a little bit of nerves and and giddiness in Patrick Mahomes leading up to that play. Well, the interesting thing about Wasp, and you mentioned the play before, if they didn't have that challenge, maybe we don't get Wasp because if you've watched right. the NFL films, he walks over to Eric Bieniemy and they have to have a conversation about, you know, do we have time and discuss that? And they eventually say, if he wants to run it, he's going to run it. We actually had Eric Bieniemy's recount of that from Football Morning in America yesterday on Arrowhead Pride, if you want to check that out. But just still a really interesting sequence there. And Patrick Mahomes, one of the things he had said yesterday was, no, he needs to come out and just do what he does. I heard that among the 45 minutes of each player on what was media night yesterday where, you know, he felt maybe he was doing a little too much. And I I think if the Chiefs play their game, they're going to feel a lot better, especially at the beginning of this year's Super Bowl. And it also helps that this one is in Tampa. They're in Kansas City probably until Saturday, reportedly, from ESPN and 
and it is going to feel in a, in a way just like a regular season game uh, aside from what will be a longer halftime show and probably longer waiting periods. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes learned from that, and I, I think he's going to be a little bit more poised entering this game. Don't forget, at the beginning of his career, there were these types of games, and you remember even against the New England Patriots when Tom Brady was still there, he would get up for certain games, and it would take a quarter for him to sort of click back in. We haven't talked about that in a long time, which means – He's corrected it. You know, I got nothing but major respect for Travis Kelsey. Uh, he has helped uh, transform the tight end position. He has helped put the tight end position on the map, uh, you know, uh, and also, you know, just, you know, speaking of contract wise, he, he has helped the position, the tight end position, get paid, get paid the way that they deserve to get paid. And uh, what what's one thing that's very intriguing about Travis Kelsey? <laughs> and I never really seen this with any other player in the NFL ever before is that Kels gets better every single year that I've seen him play in the NFL. And that's, you know, that's just respect right there. Ever since he's been in the league, he's been on the, uh, the chiefs. He has progressed his game and gotten better every single year going into this year. You know, that's mad respect right there and uh, huge, huge shout outs for, uh, for doing that. You know what Gronk is? Gronk's that guy that got a job out of college mm. and would show up for like the first two years in the Monday meetings just hung over. Right. And he'd show up in like kind of like a cheesy, cheap suit that he got maybe from, you know, I don't know, Coles or something like that. <laughs> and now Gronk seems to be the guy that is tailored a little bit more mature, like, can still have fun. Like, every once in a while, you can be like, oh, yeah, that was – he used to be able to do that all the time. And you hear that in that interview. Like, I still feel that Gronk can still get after it. I think he would if he wanted to. Right. But it seems like Gronk is kind of seeing things from a different perspective now. And, like, that audio was cool because now it kind of seems like – and I hope Dave Portnoy was listening. Um, but <laughs> You're obsessed. I am. Um, although I'm kind of getting back on the train. Of, anyways. Um, but, like, that right there is – Mad respect in the words of Rob Gronkowski, but also like there's a little bit of like a like a bromance there between Kelsey and Gronkowski, and he makes some really good points about Kelsey about how every year Kelsey gets better. Like Kelsey broke the tight end record, then right. was shattered by not shattered, but then was passed by George Kittle. Could have gone away. Could have just been like, you know what, that was my best year. No, nah. comes back this year and has probably eh, actually I would say the best year a tight end has ever had in the NFL. And we still have at least two to three more years of top-notch play from Travis Kelsey moving forward. The thing I find fascinating about the Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski dynamic is that when Gronk talks, it always comes off like he's a 37, 38-year-old tight end. Mad respect. So much like, he played so much earlier than Kelsey, so much older than Kelsey. Gronk was born on May 14th, 1989. Kelsey was born on October 5th, 1989. They're not that far apart as far as age. They're about five months apart. Yeah, Gronk is just looked at as this older, older, older guy that, you know, time has passed him by. We don't feel that about Travis Kelsey. We think Kelsey's got another four or five productive years like this left and that was there for Gronk and and I think you maybe nailed it with that college example because 
it seemed like he didn't feel ever really in for the long haul. He just wanted to maybe get his Super Bowls, get his money. I think he wanted to play with his friend Tom and see what they could do and then get out. Where Kelsey has said for a lot of years now that he wants to go literally until they kick him out of the league. And I find this interesting as well. As you look for the past couple Super Bowls and the past couple Super Bowl winners, right? What's interesting is that we're always talking about franchise quarterbacks and their importance in games. I wonder how critical having one of these athletic tight ends can be. Because you think about those who make it to the Super Bowl and how many of these super athletic tight ends there are in the league. I mean, I could count them probably on one, maybe two hands when you have Gronk, Travis Kelsey, probably Darren Waller is another one, George Kittle, and maybe Zach Ertz. And when you think about the last couple Super Bowl winners, right, and I know that they have Goddard developing in Philly as well now, but you, you have that tight end position where it's just a bigger-bodied guy with receiver skills that is a mismatch for both cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. And that's what Kelsey is. It's what Gronk was, and I, he's kind of gotten back to toward the end of the season. So I just wonder just what an advantage it is to have one of these guys. And for Kansas City, it's the ultimate advantage because they have the absolute best one. Go look at all the mock drafts. There's a tight end getting drafted in the top five, Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Because people know what they can do. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, all these guys are getting drafted and getting put on teams that are looking to make a run because of what Kelsey and Gronkowski have done. And for the last five to six years, those are the two guys that everyone is looking at when it comes to tight ends. Like, And it, it's a little bit of a joke here. And, I, you know, what I kind of just mentioned when it comes to, like, franchise quarterback versus right. tight end. But there are less of these guys than there are franchise quarterbacks. Right. And they talk about how developing tight ends in this league takes a year or two. And when you think about Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, they both kind of came up as rowdy young, I guess the term it like kind of like frat stars and both kind of found out how good they were, what their legacy could be. And then turned it into this great performance of a great, like individual position in the NFL. And they've revamped it. Like Gronk said, like, Now Travis Kelsey has put a stamp on the league of like, hey, if you do this and you develop into this, you can get a gigantic contract. And so (laughs) did Rob Gronkowski. And not only that, but you also can't really duplicate these guys because of what their personality is. Like Kelsey had a dating show. Rob Gronkowski was in a movie. Rob Gronkowski is very, very much marketable. So is Travis Kelsey. And you kind of see that type of personality trait in George Kittle but you don't really see that anywhere else. So yes, these guys are changing the league, but they're also non, like you cannot duplicate them. They're just not anywhere else. And it kind of shows you how special these guys are. And yet here we are five days away, getting ready to play in the Super Bowl, And the two best tight ends in the last five to six years are going to be on the field at the same time. Both know it, both respect it. And we get to sit back and watch it. Yeah, I think it's a interesting sub storyline of what is the greatest quarterback of all time versus someone who's going to push him as his career grows. And I think Gronk and, and Kelsey are certainly going to be looked at as the one-two tight ends of all time when it's all said and done. I know Tony's in the mix there, and that's fortunate for Kansas City. But by the, by the end of their careers, I, I think it'll be one-two, and I think it'll be Kelsey Gronk.
which is amazing to say that that the Chiefs went from what will be the number three, number four tight end in NFL history to the number one, uh, but that's just the case. Real quick, this is probably bad on my part. Gronk, two rings? Is that right, or does he have three? I believe he has two. So Kelsey wins Sunday. He ties Gronk in rings. We always say you have to chase the rings to become the greatest. Before we get corrected on the text line, it's three. I thought so. so he, I thought he had he three. Has, he, has, he has to get to the three, Pete. If, he, well, if he's going to do it. According to Tony Romo, if Travis Kelsey well, doesn't that's, win Sunday, that's he'll never catch Gronk. That's something we'll curb until right. the run it back back play, playoff show. That's next, right. Next year. Well, Pete Sweeney's going to join the guys from Fesco at 715. When we get back, Pete Sweeney's going to tell you who joins everybody we got today. a huge lineup. Huge. Come on back. It's gigantic. Come on back here on the run it back show on 610 Sports Radio. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It is first down and goal to go at the yard and a half for Kansas City. Mahomes with Darrell Williams in at running back. They're going to fake the, they shovel it inside to Kelsey, and he leaps and dives, touchdown! Kansas City, a wrinkle, a new wrinkle to Kelsey. Zeus drinks from the sweet nectar of the end zone <laughs> on a shovel pass, and the Chiefs have their biggest lead of the game. The great sounds of Mitch Holtis. You can hear it Sunday, 5.30, Super Bowl 55, 106.5, the Wolf. Pete, that's 106.5, the Wolf on Sunday. Let the people know what they can hear on 610 Sports Radio on a Tuesday. Yeah, 610 Sports Radio, your official partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a big Tuesday here as we get ready for Super Bowl 55. I will join the guys from Fesco in the morning at 7.15, 8 a.m. Doug Peterson, the, for, the former Chiefs offensive coordinator and former now Eagles head coach will join the guys. Cody and Gold, 1140, Kyle Brandt of NFL Network and Good Morning Football, 1230, Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis Kelsey. There's been some back and forth about who has more rings after this game, and that'll be a fun interview to check out. It's also Ring of Honor Day on the drive, so listen to this lineup. 215, Dwayne Bowe, 3, Duran Sherry, 3.30, Jeremy Macklin, 4 o'clock, Will Shields, 4.30, Damba Ali, and 5.15, Willie Rofe. A massive day on the drive, and really the station as a whole, the official partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. So this is, this is what you're going to want to lock in all day as you're doing whatever you're doing. Oh, there'd be a lot of them. Are you kidding me? I love how he drifts back in the pocket, takes it about <laughs> six yards deep, and then drives back to about 19, 20, by, by 15 yards right foot in the ground and then flicks that ball, you know, 60 yards down the field and on a dime to Tyreek or something like that. So he just has a great awareness of the pocket, um, incredible vision of the field. He just, he knows exactly when to get rid of the ball when he's got great poise in the pocket. Um, got that nice, sweet little whippy arm that I used to have when I was a little bit younger. What? And, um, he's got the athletic ability to, to extend plays and, um, you know, he's got all the physical tools and he's got all the mental tools. So he's going to be in this game uh, quite a few more times, in my opinion. I thought you were going to say you just wanted to steal the Nolik pass from him. I love that, too. I, I'm not. I mean, that's that, that's more of the younger generation. They figured out how to do that. I don't know. I, you can't teach an old dog some of those new tricks, but that's definitely a new trick that I wish I could learn. OK, OK. That was yesterday. That was Brady on Mahomes is like 
repertoire on uh, with Kay Adams, who is also the co-host with Kyle Brandt, who will join uh, Cody and Gold. But I just... Tom, you never had a, a whipping arm. Really quickly. Like, I don't understand we're, that. We're going to get time run out on us. Right. But Tom, very clearly, it almost looks like he's trying to convince himself that he's on the same plane as what Pat can do. And he You're can't. Right. And he can't. There's these little quips sometimes where he's like, yeah, it's really hard to win a Super Bowl and throw 50 touchdowns. Like, just always yeah. names things that he did. Humble brags. You can tell there's a little bit there. He really wants this game. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, he's not Mahomes, and I think he knows it. Maybe right. he'll just, like, watch it get blown out by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and be like, all right, you're right. I'm <laughs> done playing football. This is no longer fun. I'm no longer the, the focal point of the NFL. I'm excited. This is going to be – it's going to be fun. You Both of these guys really want this And game. he really butchered the line of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Because <laughs> he got he overwhelmed. Really he got overwhelmed. He got I would overwhelmed. have gotten overwhelmed, too, if Kay Adams asked me a oh, question. Right. That's not – Remember, Pete Sweeney, about. he's on with the guys from Fesco, Doug Peterson. That's all loaded up. Here in the next few hours here on 610 Sports Radio. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 a.m., Thursday, Friday as well, as we get you ready for Super Bowl 55, Chiefs first Bucks. For Pete Sweeney, I'm Dusty Likens. It's been the Run It Back Show on 610 Sports Radio. Be easy, Kansas City, and good morning. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. $5 billion in assets for clients in all 50 states and overseas. For every single one of those clients, their money is managed right here in Overland Park. Thousands of people from New York to California skip their local advice.